Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Good morning. How are we doing today, Summit family? It's great to see you. Great to see you all that are joining us online, no matter where you may be or how you may be joining us. We're so grateful that you've taken time out of your day to allow us to be a part of it. So whether you're watching from Facebook or YouTube, or maybe you're watching from our online platform, uh, live.summitpa.church, we're so glad that you're worshiping with us today. And those of you that are watching online, if you haven't already, let us know where you're watching from. We love connecting with you, but we're grateful that you're worshiping with us today. Uh, if I didn't say this earlier, I'm Mel Massingale. I'm one of the pastors here at Summit. We're so glad to have you. Uh, so glad to have all of you in the room with us today. And some of you are watching online going, wait a second, in the room, what is that about? Well, uh, Mike mentioned this at the beginning of worship, but uh, we are, we, we've invited some folks to be in the room with us. Uh, and, and they're not, it's not that they're VIPs. These are our guinea pigs. They are helping us test everything out to get ready for our return next week. But no, we're so grateful for all of you that are in the room helping us get ready. Uh, some of you are kids, workers, leaders, whatever it might be, uh, helping us get ready for our public launch next week. And so all of you that are watching online, we can't wait to see you next weekend, the 13th and 14th. And you're gonna be hearing more information tomorrow. We're gonna get some things out to you to let you know what to expect, what you should do, how to register, all that kind of stuff. So thank you so much for joining us online. Thank you guys for being here in the room with us today. I really do appreciate it. Um, at the end of the worship experience today, those of you in the room, we will dismiss. And at the dismissal, we need you to stay in your seats because after we dismiss, uh, Pastor Kim and Steph are gonna come and they're gonna close us out and they're gonna tell you how you're gonna be exiting the room and all that kind of good stuff. So be patient when I dismiss at the end. Um, sit tight for a minute and then they will help you get going. Uh, one thing I wanna mention to you guys this Thursday night at 6.30 p.m., we are going to have our, uh, our Blairsville Town Hall meeting. And if uh, we want you to join us on any of our three platforms for that, uh, you can engage. We, I think we're gonna be doing some Q&A online so you can ask some questions and we'll be able to answer those. Uh, we're gonna be talking about timelines. We're gonna be talking about what to expect. We're gonna be talking about, um, we're, we're gonna be able to show you a preliminary floor plan of the, what the facility is going to be like on the inside. And so I just want you to know I'm excited. Uh, we are moving in the right direction, and I can't wait to see uh, what God's going to do when we get to Blairsville. So it's coming up before you know it, but we'd love for you to join us this Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. on all of our platforms for that. Last week, we started a series called Kingdom Culture, and every home, every business, every church has a culture. It has a feel, it has a way that they live and get things done, uh, a, way, a pattern for decision-making. All those kind of things are part of the culture. Um, and you might not be able to identify it, but you know if you've been someplace that the culture wasn't good, it didn't feel healthy or it was uncomfortable, you can identify that. But, but I want you to know the kingdom of heaven has a culture as well, that heaven has a culture to it. And part of our job as Christians and as followers of Jesus is to make sure that the culture that we are living in matches the culture of heaven, that the kingdom of heaven is invading earth through us. When Jesus said in, in his, his prayer, your kingdom come, thy will be done on earth that it is in heaven in the, in the the Lord's prayer, he is praying, God, let the kingdom of heaven invade earth through me. 
Let your culture advance on planet Earth. And that's really what we're talking about uh, last few weeks is, is part of that kingdom culture is generosity. So one of our core values here at Summit is radical generosity. And we make no, uh, make no uh, apologies for that. That is a part of who we are. That's a part of what we do as a church. And then uh, you'll hear some more things. Uh, we'll talk about a couple details today, some of the stuff that we've done over the last few weeks. But it's so exciting to see how God works through generosity. So let me say this right from the get-go. I'm not preaching this to you today because we are short of cash. We're in good shape financially. In fact, we, God has blessed us in such a way that we're able to bless other churches through this, uh, which is really exciting. And so let me just give you a heads up. We plan for the, pre, for the next year in the fall, and nobody planned for 12 weeks of no in-person church. Nobody could have. Uh, but we plan pretty conservatively with our budget, and we plan for a small increase. I think we plan for about a 3% increase this year in, in giving, which would have been the lowest we've had since I've been here. And I want you to know something. Year to date, we're actually 10% ahead of what we projected for the year. So we have got a, a good margin in place. Uh, God has blessed us, and we haven't had, we've only had one what I would call a large gift financially from anyone. So it wasn't like somebody wrote us a huge check and bailed us out. It's just been the faithfulness of people in our congregation who've continued to give, who have started giving online, and it's just allowed us to be a blessing to our communities. So I'm not preaching this to you because I'm trying to get money out of you. I want you to know that. I'm preaching this today because I want you to live generously in every way so that God can be glorified through your life. So last week we started in 2 Corinthians chapter nine. In 2 Corinthians nine, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and uh, he's reminding them of their commitment to the Jerusalem church. So the Corinthian church was helping the Jerusalem church who had significant financial need and they had sent money, they were sending resources and he's reminding them, he's spurring them on to continue in generosity. And so he's talking in this context about financial generosity, but I want you to know that generosity is not just financial. We'll talk about this in a moment, but it, it impacts every area of our lives. Living generously is important. Uh, so we'll start in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. It says this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly also reaps sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So what he's saying is, if you want the, output, uh, the outcome to look a certain way, you've got to make sure the input is what you need it to be. So if you want a big harvest, you've got to have a, a, a big sowing. A bountiful sowing re leads to a bountiful harvest. Now, again, this is not about money. This is where some of us will go, okay, um, I've seen the people on on. on uh, television who have said things like, hey, if you send $100, you're gonna get 1,000. That's not what we're talking about. We never give to get. That is not biblical. We don't give money to get money. It's not some sort of get-rich-quick scheme. That's not what we're talking about. But what we're talking about is this principle that we reap what we sow. And this is a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. So the question I asked last week is, what are the harvest you're seeing in your life? What are you harvesting actively in your life? Because in your life, if you're harvesting drama, if you look at your life and say, man, I've got a lot of dysfunction in my life, my question would be, what are you sowing to get the harvest that you're getting? If you've got drama, what, what are you sowing to get that drama? If you've got broken relationships, what are you sowing to get a harvest of broken relationships? So it works in the negative as well. So ask yourself, what am I sowing to get the harvest that I'm getting? It works in the positive as well, though. 
See, some of us want a harvest of joy, but all we do is sow bitterness everywhere. So what happens is we sow, we sow abundant bitterness, and as a result, we've got bountiful bitterness in our life. But the answer is we've got to sow joy. So this is the audience participation portion, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room, and, uh, and I'm, we're going to do it till we get it right, people, okay? So lots of enthusiasm. Here we go. Sowing a seed of joy brings a harvest of joy. Good job. That was better than nine o'clock. Nine o'clock, I had to like, I was like, hello? And you know, so it was better. I still expect a little more for you in the next one though. Okay, sowing a seed of peace brings a harvest of peace. peace. Sowing a seed of love brings a harvest of love. love. We reap what we sow. And if I wanna reap bountifully in these things, I've gotta sow bountifully. If I wanna be a person who's loved, guess what? You better love well. If I wanna be a person who has peace in my life and experiences peace, I'm gonna sow peace into other people because the harvest is dependent on what you sow. Proverbs eleven twenty four in the message, it says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And what we see is that when we live generously, when we love well, when we extend grace to people that we don't feel like extending grace to, we extend mercy to people we don't feel like extending mercy to, those are all acts of generosity. And when we do that, our world gets bigger and bigger and bigger. God gives us an abundance. He gives us fullness. He gives us a richness of our life that we can't experience just by getting stuff. Because if our goal is to just get more stuff and get more money, what happens is our world shrinks. Our influence shrinks. Our relationships shrink around us. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, as we continue, it says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, if you don't have kids, it might be hard for you to understand this. Um, I know for me, one of my favorite things as a parent is when my kids on their own do things that I would want them to do. Like when I hear my girls getting along and loving each other well, I delight in that. When I, when I see my girls do the dishes without me saying, whose day is it for dishes? And they argue for 10 minutes about dishes. When somebody just does the dishes, I go, oh, right? When they do the things that I've asked them to do and that they know I want them to do, Without me asking, I get excited about that. Is there any of the parents that, that you get excited when your kids actually do what you like them to do? Are there any parents who has ever seen your kids do what you want them to do? Maybe not? Okay. <laughs> we like that, right? And you know what? Our Heavenly Father is the same way. That's why we see this verse, and it's not that, it's not that we have to grit our teeth and give in the offering box. God loves a cheerful giver. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be happy and give. No, when we, when we give generously to the people around us, when we give into the kingdom of God, God delights in that when we go, man, I can't wait to give. I can't wait to bless my neighbor. I can't wait to help with the needs around me. God goes, yes, they get it. That's my kid. Oh, I'm so proud of them. They get it. That's what this verse is getting at because God loves a cheerful giver. That's why we don't manipulate you. We never ever try to coerce you. Um, we got offering boxes for a reason. We're not passing plates because God loves a cheerful giver. And even if we gave money financially, that doesn't mean we're generous because we can give money financially and still not live a generous lifestyle. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9.8, I'll get into that more in just a moment. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says this, the God, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Uh, I like grace. 
I like to receive grace. Does anybody else like to receive grace in your life? I like it when I screw up or do something stupid for people to take it easy on me. That's a nice thing. Those of you that are watching online, if you like grace, I would love for you to comment in the comment section or hit the like button, let us know. I like receiving grace. I don't always give grace as easily as I receive grace. Sometimes it's harder for me to extend grace to other people, but I like grace. You know whose grace I really like? God's. When God extends grace to me, it's a good day, right? And this is what it says. God is able to make all grace abound to you. He doesn't say a portion of grace. He doesn't say some grace. He doesn't say a smidge, a pinch. What does he say? All grace. Every bit of grace can abound to you in your life. God makes that possible. All grace is abounding to you. All the grace you will ever need is abounding to you in your life. God is able to make all grace abound to you. Why would he do that? I'm glad you asked. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. Has there ever been a time in your life that you felt like you didn't have enough, you weren't enough? If you just had a little more, if we just had a little more time, if we just had, if we just had a little bit more space, if I had a little bit more money, if I had a little more margin in my, whatever it is, we just thought, I just need a little more. If I had a little more, then I'd be happy. If I had just a little more, I, I don't have a sufficient amount of whatever it might be, peace. I don't have a sufficient amount of money. I don't, whatever it is. We just thought if I had a little more, then I'd be happy. I think we all have, right? We all think if I just had a little more, my life would be better. And what we see here is that Paul is telling the Corinthian church in regards to, in regards to the financial generosity, he said, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. So he says, God's grace is abounding to you so that you can have sufficiency in all things all the time. Not some of the time and some of the things. And the reason he does that is so you may abound in every good work. See, God's goal for us is to live out a life of good works. And living out a lifestyle of good works is all about, 100% about us living generously. Us looking out for the needs of others, not just ourselves. Saying, well, how can I be an answer to that prayer that they're praying? How can I respond? How can I help? How can I serve? When we look at the word sufficiency, it's a Greek word uh, in the original language, and it has three different definitions. And the first definition is a perfect condition of which uh, no aid or support is needed. And this is where we want to be in life. This is where we want our kids to be in life. Nobody wants your kids living in your basement until you're 35 years old, right? You want them to go be sufficient. Go live your life. Go, you go get a job, right? Like, take care of yourself. And we imagine this is what our life should be, that self-sufficient. We take care of ourselves. But this is different in the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven, God says, no, 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 I want my kids to be dependent on me. Because he understands the only way we can really thrive is when we empty ourselves of ourselves and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I am, I am dependent on you. That's when we will thrive. So self-sufficiency is not really a part of Christian lifestyle. We have to be dependent on God. So the second definition is sufficiency of the necessities of life. So it's understanding that I don't need all the stuff that I think I need, that maybe what I've got is all I really need. I might not have all I want, but I've got all I need if, if I've got God. And the third thing is this, a mind contented with its lot in life or contentment. So let me read this to you again. 
with that in mind. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all contentment in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. What, what, is, the, what is the key to contentment? It's living generously. When I live generously, when I look to bless and help and serve others, it's amazing how I become satisfied with what I've got. That all of a sudden, I don't need a new car to, to make me feel content and satisfied and complete. Because I recognize, you know what? I really wanna bless. I really wanna help. Hey, I really wanna serve. I, I really wanna give. And when we do that, it's amazing how God's kingdom advances and how content we can be in generosity, in the abundance that God has given us. We understand that God's grace abounds to us for us to be content in all things at all times so that we can abound in good works. So we're back to the audience participation portion again. You did so great last time, we're gonna do it again. All of you online, all of you in the room, help me out. Sowing a seed of joy brings a harvest of? Sowing a seed of peace brings a harvest of? Sowing a seed of love brings a harvest of? Sowing a seed of money brings a harvest of? <laughs> I love that one so much. We are not that kind of church, by the way. So if you, <laughs> you were going to the crowd there, that's great. Congratulations to those of you that are like, she hit the brakes. You're like, no, no, no. I don't know where this is going. We're not part of this. Just so you know, we do not give to get. There's nothing biblical about saying if you give $100, you'll get $1,000, okay? So we don't sow money to get money. What we do is we sow generosity to get contentment. Contentment is the fruit of generosity in our lives. When we choose to live generously, we will find contentment. We'll find peace. And so many people in our world want contentment. So many people that live in huge houses and are paying lots of money for really nice cars. It's okay that they've got that stuff. What they're chasing is contentment. And how many of you know that if we have the abundant grace of God in our life, active in our life, we don't need stuff to make us content. God's grace is enough for us. Second Corinthians 9, 9. And for those of you that yelled out money, I wasn't trying to give you a hard time. I'm sorry. We can talk about it later. Um, so I feel a little bit bad, but not that bad. Second Corinthians 9, 9 says this. Paul says, as it is written, and then he refers to Psalm chapter 112, verse nine. He says, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. What he's saying here is, um, is there's a, the rich man, uh, uh, there's a man who's been blessed and he blesses others. So it's, it's, a, it's a picture of a man, but it represents God. And he said, he blesses others generously. He gives to the poor and it says, his righteousness endures forever. Now, I want you to notice it doesn't say his name endures forever. It doesn't say his reputation endures forever. It says his righteousness endures forever. I've told you before in Ecclesiastes, it says two generations after you, they won't remember your name. Doesn't that bless you? <laughs> your great grandkids won't even know your name. And that's okay because we weren't placed on earth to be famous. We weren't placed on earth to be known. We were placed on earth to make Jesus known, to make him famous. And so what we see is a man who understands that, that he's going to leverage his generosity for, for God's righteousness, that God's righteousness can, can continue to be known, even if this man is forgotten. I want you to know something. I don't say this in a falsely humble way. Uh, if, if and when God ever takes me away from Summit Church, I die or God moves me on, not long after that, 
I will be forgotten. And you go, no, that's not true. It is true. And the way, the way I know this is because if I polled our church and said, what was the name of the last pastor? A lot of people would have no idea. So I want you to know something. It's not about me. It can't be about my name. It can't be about my notoriety. It has to be about the, the righteousness of Christ being remembered and being known. That we say, God, is not about us making our kingdom great. It's about making your kingdom great. And the way we can do that is by leveraging generosity for your kingdom. When we talk about righteousness here, it says his righteousness endures forever. There's a verse in uh, Amos 5.24 that's been on my heart the last couple weeks. With everything going on in our culture and our society and the issues between, uh, between races and black and white and people of color and all these things, there's a verse that's been on my heart and I wanna share it with you. Uh, it says in Amos 5.24, and let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And, and this verse is important because this was one of the most common phrases uh, by a man named Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Now, it's not the phrase you probably know most of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. If I asked you, what do you know that he has said, most of you would probably say, I have a dream, which is his best known speech that he ever gave, standing on the steps of the, the Lincoln Memorial. And he spoke to hundreds of thousand people there on the, the Washington Mall and he, he gave this powerful speech. And I want to read a couple excerpts from his speech because I feel like it's, it's pertinent for us today. Dr. King said this. He said, we must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. We must not allow our creative protest to degenerate into physical violence. Again and again, we must rise to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force. See, Dr. King was a Christian. He was a preacher he was a man of God and he understood that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against uh, principalities and rulers and spiritual places in this present darkness. He understood that if, if we are oppressed in a physical way, it doesn't serve our cause to push back in a physical way. It serves our cause to, to intercede in a spiritual way. He understood that. He went on to say in that same speech, there are those who are asking the devotees of civil rights, when will you be satisfied? We can never be satisfied as long as the Negro is the victim of unspeakable horrors of police brutality. He said, as long as people of color are continuing to be targeted, we will never stop. And he goes on to say this, no, no, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until Justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. It's dangerous for pastors to talk about an issue like this because it's so politically charged. There's so many people who have so many opinions coming from so many different directions. But this is what I know. I don't know how to solve this problem. I don't know what kind of legislation should happen. I don't know, but I will tell you what I know. These issues are issues at the heart of mankind. It's not something that simple behavior modification is going to fix. There's something deep in us. And you might be going, what does this have to do with generosity? I'll tell you. One of the most important acts of generosity we can ever have is to love someone who's different than us. We extend love and mercy and grace to someone who looks or thinks or acts different than us. <laughs> Let me help you with this too. Some of you, 
would have an easier time loving someone who looks different than you physically, maybe has different skin color than you, than it would be for you to love someone who is of the other political party. You wouldn't have any problems with a black person, but if, if, you, if I asked you to love a Democrat or if I asked you to love a Republican, you might really struggle with that. So this is not just about black and white. That's definitely part of it. But it really gets down to this issue of our hearts are wicked and we need to repent. I'll tell you this, uh, even over the last few weeks, I'm your pastor and I've asked God, God, show me, kind of like David said in Psalms, hey, help, you know my heart, show me my heart. Show, if there's any wicked ways in me, reveal that to me. So God, show me if there are biases in my heart that I've had that I don't even recognize, show me. Help me see that, help me understand that so I can love people better. That is an act of generosity to the people around us. This verse that I just read, Amos 5, 24, it, it, it says, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And really what we see here is this idea that to solve the problems of what's happened in the past, it's going to take justice. God, bring justice to those issues from our past, whatever it might be. Let justice roll. And then the next part of the verse is how we solve these issues as we move forward. Let righteousness flow like a stream. And the, the description here is like a stream that is so large and so big, it will never run dry. It will never come down to a trickle. That it's so big, it will sweep up everything that's in its path. And that's my prayer. God, let justice roll and let righteousness flow. One of my mentors and coaches, uh, Dr. Gerald Brooks, pastors of a wonderful church in Plano, Texas. And Dr. Brooks reached out to me uh, this last week and he said, Mel, would you be willing to issue a challenge to your church? And so I talked about it with him and, and I'm going to issue that to you guys today. We'll talk about it over the next few weeks to some degree. Um, but the, the challenge is just the Amos 524 challenge. Because we're all tempted to respond certain ways when we see news coverage of something on television, we see something on social media, we see somebody post something and we get angry and we wanna, we wanna respond and we, and we start typing hard. These are all the wrong responses. We wanna call somebody and just gripe about, can you believe? There's lots of reasons for us to be angry in the world we live in today. But how about if we see these things and we simply stop and we pray, Amos 5, 24, Heavenly Father, let justice roll and let righteousness flow in our country, in our world, but God, let it begin with me. God, let justice roll in my heart. Let, let righteousness flow in my heart so that I can live generously with those around me, so I can love those who are difficult to love, so I can see people that are different than me in a way that still brings honor to their lives and to you. So that's my challenge to you today. The Amos 524 challenge. I would love for you to join me in that. We'll be talking more about that to some degree, mentioning it over the next few weeks, but I would love for you to do that. Just pray with me in those moments instead of posting or griping or complaining or getting angry, let's pray. If the people of God would just begin to pray, pray that our hearts would be right and that God would help change our culture, I believe he will. This is the solution for so many of the issues in our culture today. Let me move on. He who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase your harvest of righteousness. What he says here is God is the source for
for both seed and bread. So what you take with a seed is you would plant it or you would use it to make bread from. And how many of you ate more bread than you should have during quarantine? Anybody put on your COVID-19 and then some? <laughs> Did you see the sign out front that said, honk if you can still fit in your church clothes? There, were, <laughs> there was not much honking in the parking lot. Did you notice that today? It's a strange absence of honking. But even in this day, they understood bread is for me. I consume bread. But the problem is we get fascinated with bread. We wanna consume and consume and consume. I want more stuff. And what God is saying to us is, hey, I'm gonna take care of your seed for sowing and your bread for food. The stuff you need for life, I'm gonna give it to you. Remember what we said. Uh, God's grace abounds to us to make us content so that we can live a contented life so that good works can flow through us. And here what he's saying is, hey, God is going to give you the seed you need to sow and the bread you need to consume. And he goes on to say, um, the, the, he who supplies will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. He doesn't say he'll supply your seed so you can get all the stuff you want. So you can have that car that you've always dreamed of that you thought would bring you contentment or live in that dream house that you thought would be the answer, that you could get that job. What, none of those things will, will bring contentment. But he says is he's gonna multiply your seed for sowing so that you can bring a harvest into the world. Increase the harvest of your righteousness. Again, we come back to this word righteousness. God wants to bless you, but he doesn't want to bless you just so you can go buy more stuff. He wants to bless you to be generous in the world we live in. He wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the people around you, so you can be a blessing to the, those you come into contact with. It's gonna increase your harvest of righteousness. This word righteousness, I won't get into this all the way, the, the the root word, the original word that this Greek word was derived from, it's DK, and it is a, uh, it's a Greek word spelled D-I-K-E. And if you're following in your notes, it's in the notes today. Uh, but DK is the Greek goddess of justice. And so what, what we see here, what Paul is saying to the church is, hey, um, God is going to take care of the seed you need and he's going to give you an abundance of seed to, to bless. He's gonna multiply your seed so you can sow it and bless others and he's gonna give you what you need. And he said, and this will lead to an increase in the harvest of your righteousness. So what he's saying is justice will be produced whenever we sow seeds of generosity. When we live generously with the people around us, again, not just financial, but when we ex extend grace and mercy and love, it's going to produce justice in our world. 2 Corinthians 9, 11 says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. God doesn't limit generosity to money. God says, I want you to be generous in every way. In fact, what he says is, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna send increase to you so that you can be blessed in every way and be a blessing in every way. That's what he's inviting us to. We're blessed to be a blessing. This is something we've been talking about from the time I got here over six years ago. God isn't blessing us just to have a big church, just to start other churches. God is blessing us to be a blessing to our community. He's blessing us so that we can be a blessing to churches and pastors all around us so his kingdom will advance. And what happens is that produces thanksgiving to God. 2 Corinthians 9, 12, it goes on to say, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So it's saying, hey, it's doing two things. It's taking care of the people when you're generous 
So again, he's talking to the Corinthian church. Hey, Corinthian church, you're blessing the people of the Jerusalem church with your generosity. Just like today we, we said, hey, we're blessing the church uh, Hope Center in Crumlin because of your generosity. But he said, and plus that, God gets glorified because of it. So some of you may have taken part in something we did. It was called Double the Impact. And Double the Impact was uh, something, all good leaders take credit for all the, uh, all the ideas in their organization. So I want you to know, I had this idea for Double the Impact. It was incredible. It was all by myself. Nobody else thought of it, just me. And maybe Steph thought of it. But anyway, um, Double the Impact was, hey, church, if you want to give, for every $10 you give, we're going to go buy a $10 gift card from, from a business in our community a local business, and we're gonna bless someone who's working during this pandemic. So people in grocery stores, in the hospital, different places, we're gonna bless them with a $10 gift card. So it blesses the business and it blesses the individual. And I'm happy to tell you, we brought in over $12,000 for Double the Impact, just people giving. And so we've been able to bless 1,200 people in our community with gift cards. It was pretty incredible. Now, the cool part is we were able to bless them, and then we got so much feedback from that, so many emails and letters and cards from people saying, thank you so much. I wasn't expecting that. Wow, why would you bless us at Bilo? Why would you bless us at Giant Eagle or whatever it might have been? We got so much feedback from that. And do you know what that is? It's this verse in action. It not only supplied the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. I believe that there were people who don't even go to church, don't believe in God. They got that and they had a little glimpse of God in that moment. Wow, they, they were loving me. They didn't even ask for anything in return. I'm telling you, there's seed that's being planted that's gonna produce a harvest of righteousness. Verse 13 says, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. So he says, hey, they recognize that God is working in you, number one, because you've made Jesus Lord of your life. You, you've accepted the gift of Jesus in your life. And then he goes on to say, and the generosity of your contribution for them and all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of their, uh, the surpassing grace of God upon you. So what he says is this. He says, they don't even know you. They will never meet you in person, but they recognize God in you. They don't love you just because you sent them some money. They love you because they recognize your heart. They love you because they recognize that God is at work in you to produce this generosity. And then he closes it out with a simple verse that I think brings it home. He said, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Notice he didn't go back and say, you guys are the answer. You guys fixed it. No, no, no. He goes, hey, let's give credit to where credit is really due. He said, thank God for his inexpressible gift. Because at the end of the day, the generosity that God has shown us is what allows us to live a generous life. Yes, he's given us jobs. He's given us the ability to earn income. He's given us all these things. But the most important gift God ever gave us was his son. Even people who don't go to church many times know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his son. For God so loved Indiana, Pennsylvania, that he gave his son. He generously gave his most valuable possession for you and for me. 
In fact, Jesus referred to himself as the gift of God. In John chapter four, he, he's talking to the woman at the well and she has no idea who he is. And he refers to himself in that verse as the gift of God. He says, woman, if, if you knew who was talking to you, the gift of God that is with you. And I'm telling you today, he is the best gift we could ever receive. So true generosity in our life, extending generously to people that maybe don't deserve it begins with Jesus, his generosity toward us. So I wanna give you an opportunity. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, today is your day. Maybe you're struggling to live generously. You know you're going to heaven, but you're struggling to live generously. I wanna encourage you, today's your day. Ask God, search my heart, God. If there are things that are wicked in me, tell me, show me. Holy Spirit, remove it from me. And he will, he's faithful. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Let me pray with you today. Heavenly Father, thank you for your radical generosity in our lives. Thank you for giving Jesus to to be our sacrifice, to pay the price for us. And because we've received him, we can experience your abundant grace that can help us be content in all things at all times so that your good works can be birthed in and through us. So Lord, I pray that we would not be satisfied with just getting into heaven someday. Lord, we wouldn't be satisfied just breathing in and out. But Lord, I pray as your children, your people, we would long for and desire your grace to work in our lives so that we truly can be content in all things at all times. God, let your, let your justice roll. And God, let your righteousness flow in us. Move in us, speak into us, challenge us. Lord, I pray for those that don't know you today, that aren't in relationship with you, let today be the day. I pray that they would see the beauty of Christ. They would see the wonder, the glory of who he is and let their hearts be drawn today. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, nobody's looking around. I just wanna ask, if you're watching today online, if you're here in the room and you say, Mel, you know what, I know you're talking to me, that I need to make a decision for Jesus. I need to accept the gift of Jesus in my life. I just wanna invite you to make that decision today, to say yes to him. He's been pursuing you and chasing after you. And now all you have to do is say yes. So if you're here in this room, I would love for you to slip your hand up real high and you can put it right back down. And if you're watching online, you'd like to make a decision, I would love for you to take a moment and respond to the hosts that are there on that chat. Let them know. So yeah, sir, I saw you raise your hand. Thank you so much. Who else? Is there anyone else in the room that says, pray for me, today's my day. I wanna respond to the gift that you're talking about, the gift of Jesus. All right. I want everybody in this place and everybody watching online, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to say it out loud. The word of God tells us if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So I want you to say this out loud with all of us and I want you to pray this from your heart as well. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving your son to pay for my sins on the cross. From this day on, I am yours. Thank you for loving me at my worst. From this day on, I live to bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause, can we? Listen, I would love for you, those of you that prayed that prayer with us online, those of you that are in the room, I would love for you to take one minute and simply text the word different to the number 94000. 
When you do that, we're gonna help you take the next step. Uh, we're gonna get you some information. We're gonna get you a Bible. Uh, we're gonna get you some resources and help you begin to grow in your faith. So I'm excited to see what God's about to do in your life. Thank you so much for joining us online. Thank you guys for being here in the room with me. Uh, it's so good to see you. I, guys, I can't wait to see you all in person next weekend on the 13th and 14th. Join us. We'll get you more information about that tomorrow. But just know, I love you more than you know. And I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.